Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Hey, welcome to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Eric Peterson, welcome, my friend, to this edition of our podcast. Thank you, Don. I always look forward to visiting with you, although it seems like the last few years you and I visit a couple times a week. But Well, uh, you know, it's I've enjoyed working with Network Kansas, and of course, our audience that follows this regularly knows that Network Kansas hosts me and my work, and so... It's been fun to collaborate with you all, and I look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. This will be fun. Thank you. So, folks, we're titling this podcast Network Kansas's Entrepreneurial Communities Program, and I've added the subtitle Best in Class in Rural America, and I really do believe that to be true. This is one of the longest-running, broadest-reach, highest-impact rural entrepreneurial ecosystem-building programs in the United States and, I think, North America. But, of course, we'll talk more. It's not just rural Kansas anymore, but we'll get to that. And so, Eric, we always like to start our podcast with giving our guests a chance to just kind of share your short bio, your short story, because we all have a journey that has got us to this point. And so... um, Give us a little bit of the background of your journey. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. And yeah, it has been a journey. I was born in Wichita, Kansas. For those that don't know, that's in the south central part of the state. I went to college there, a small liberal arts school, and played a little football and and got a degree in business administration. And then I went to work for a small technology company in Wichita. And I didn't really know it at the time, but as I look back, Don, the gentleman that owned that business, Stan Brannon, had a real knack for drawing out of you entrepreneurial characteristics. And I don't really know if it was the managerial style or the way he coached or the leash he gave you to run projects, but I think he really brought out of me the desire to be an entrepreneur. And I was there about eight years, as was Steve Ratley, who was also with me at Network Kansas, uh, the CEO of Network Kansas. And near the tail end of that, we purchased a restaurant existing restaurant. We didn't do very well at it. We failed relatively quickly. Oddly enough, we enjoyed the process. And I don't mean we enjoyed the failure necessarily, but I think both of us kind of looking back think we knew we made missteps. We recognized where we could have done things differently or we could have sought counsel and we didn't. So we weren't soured on the idea and we scraped up what we had left and we opened a mobile home dealership. I know that the listeners are probably saying, boy, If I had a dollar for every time I met somebody that went from technology to a restaurant to mobile homes, I'd be be rich. So uh, journey's a good word. I don't know if it's a common journey, but my goodness, it's my journey. So we grew that to two locations, Carnival Homes and Mom's Homes. And then we sold out to the largest builder of mobile homes in the U.S. And we had to stick around and run their Wichita operations for a period of time. And about the time that contract was running out or nearing its end, the state of Kansas was opening the Kansas Center for Entrepreneurship. And we were both hired. 
17 and a half years ago. We renamed it Network Kansas. And my goodness, Don, probably within our first 60 or 90 days, I bet we ran across you. So not only is my journey, uh, my own journey, a lengthy one, but my relationship with you is as well. Well, and you know, Eric, I had a shirt tail relationship back in those days. And I remember a conversation I was having with Patty Clark, who was with the Department of Commerce out of Kansas, Wally Kearns, who ran the SBDC, and Senator Brownback, who was the champion of the legislation that created Network Kansas, ultimately. And we were discussing, and I said, well, one of the things I learned from Jay Kane at the Kauffman Foundation was something that Mr. Kaufman always said, and that is, if you want to be entrepreneurial or help entrepreneurs, you've got to be entrepreneurial yourself. So I made the point to that team that I go, you guys got to hire some folks who have entrepreneurship in their blood. And given the success of Network Kansas, I think they made a really good choice when Steve and you were brought on board. So uh, congratulations for all of the progress. Well, thank you. And Maybe in a way, yeah, the fact that we tried, we failed, we tried, we succeeded, I guess maybe it allows us to, uh, maybe we can talk the talk uh, in addition to walk the walk or vice versa. You know what I'm trying to say. Well, and you've learned the important lesson uh, in entrepreneurship, failure's part of it. And if you're going to fail, fail quick. And you made that point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, don't suffer through those lessons too long. (laughs) No, we didn't. (laughs) So Network Kansas for our audience, and of course, we're going to be sharing some resources and the website, and you guys can go explore for yourselves, but it was created by the state of Kansas through an act of the legislature signed by the governor back in 2004. But Eric, of course, when Network Kansas first started up, you did not have the e-communities program. You had a number of things. You worked with SourceLink on a statewide resource navigator system. You had capital access and a number of other things. But share with our audience why you made the decision, I think it was around about 2006, 2007, to create a community-centered entrepreneurship initiative within Network Kansas. Yeah, I'm happy to. So when we were hired, there were two charters that we had from the start. And you referred to SourceLink. We knew them almost from day one. Fantastic people, Maria and Jeremy and her crew. The first charter we had was to create a referral center, a one-stop shop to connect entrepreneurs from all over the state with whatever resource partners in the state could help them take their idea to the next level. So that meant we needed to get out and meet who the resource partners were. So we spent so much time meeting the small business development centers and the economic development directors and the chamber directors, et cetera. So we quickly learned the value of a network. And we quickly learned that there's a whole lot of really smart people on the ground in Kansas working with entrepreneurs every day. And then the second thing you alluded to the capital access, Don, we utilized, I don't know, $400,000 or something of original money that we were allocated. And our charter was to create a statewide loan fund. And it was to provide gap financing to businesses in rural communities of Kansas or distressed areas of urban. There were two things about it on there. Number one, there was a statutory requirement that had to be matched with the bank in a way that if Don got a $1,000 loan from the bank, he could apply for a $1,500 loan from us, a 60-40. The second was it needed to be a for-profit. Well, we rolled this out and it worked. And, and in fact, it's still in existence today. We call it Startup Kansas and uh, probably 300 loans, a little over $9 million has been loaned out. It works. It worked fine, but it was transactional. A notion came to us a year or two into that, that 
when we were hired, words like empower communities and engage with communities and partner with communities were used, and we weren't really doing that. And for a couple of private sector guys that were trying to do as best we could, it just didn't feel right. So in 2007, we launched the e-community, Entrepreneurship Community Initiative, with the first six communities we picked. And now we've grown to uh, 69 communities across the state. And I think part of this is just for our audience. Back in the mid-2000s, this idea of community-centered ground game, actually bringing the community in as a partner, was relatively new. There were a few places where this was happening, but not at the scale or the intentionality of Network Kansas. And so that design element has really been important. And of course, as I understand it, the fact that you have so many partners across the state, not only in rural, but urban, small communities, bigger communities, micropolitan communities, and now metros, that really generates a lot more entrepreneurial activity and ultimately deal flow, financed entrepreneurial ventures. And so talk a little bit about how the e-communities program has actually helped you reach more of Kansas geographically and more of those underserved entrepreneurs, because you've got some pretty innovative stuff going on in communities where we have first-generation immigrants that you're now making connections to or legacy entrepreneurs in in Wichita. I think about Christina's work. Uh, Share a little bit about how e-communities has helped you fulfill that mission and really reach more entrepreneurs. So at its core, maybe I should give just a very brief overview of what the e-community is. And so it's a competitive process. And each year we add to the number of communities we work with. We work very closely with people that we have a relationship with. That's really the overarching factor. And when we partner with a community, we have some asks of them. We ask that they have a point person, our counterpart in the community. Uh, Sometimes it's an ED director, maybe a chamber director. We ask that they surround themselves with a leadership team, a group of people that will meet regularly to help carry the water, to help talk through the vision and the mission of what this is, and then a financial review board that can make loan approvals and decisions on those loans. And then we match it with a Network Kansas coach, a regional manager. We have six of them across the state, each work with 11 or 12 communities that are on the ground in those communities with that leadership team regularly having hard discussions, strategically planning, finding gaps in the system, helping bring resources to the table, helping engage with startups, whatever the need of the community or the momentum and the flow of the community is. We take the capital that we have and we allocate an amount to each community. And we say, Community X, we're going to allocate you $100,000 of our money this year. It's our money, but you get to decide what businesses you loan it to. Your financial review board has complete autonomy. At the end of the year, we evaluate the partnership. If they're using the money, if they're engaged with us, if we're making advancement on our strategic planning, we allocate more money next year, maybe even a greater amount. Conversely, Don, some communities, as you know, maybe there's turnover, maybe they've chosen to pursue maybe a recruitment strategy for a period of time. Our toggle is to lessen the money that we allocate to them. I believe our resources should flow to those communities that are working in this arena, entrepreneurship, small business. It has really allowed us to have a statewide footprint, rural, urban distress. And out of that, lots of things bubble up that you were referring to. And a good example is about a year and a half ago, we 
recognize that our money needs a match, needs a bank match. I talked about that with the statute. But we have some latitude to do some different things with other funding that we've accumulated over the years. We recognize that in particular communities and some minority-owned businesses, the ability to be bankable or get a bank loan is sometimes very difficult. The requirement of a bank loan creates a hurdle that allows them not to get access to some of our gap financing if the two are hooked together. So we created a no-match loan fund for minority-owned businesses that were launching in uh, Southwest Kansas, which is predominantly Hispanic-owned businesses, some first-generation, as you referred to, and then in some other urban-distressed larger markets of the state. And that's proving to be really, really effective and beginning to also accumulate other capital. Other people are wanting to come along and put capital towards this. So it all boils down to on-the-ground, grassroots-led economic development strategies in which we say, here's some of our money. You decide who to loan it to. We're empowering you. Now, we'd like a seat at the table with you to discuss how we can help you make a difference in your ecosystem. And that really is how that works at the ground level, Don. Well, and it speaks to something you and Steve mention often, and that is the question of who decides. And with your model, you're pushing that decision down to the community level and empowering them to make more of those decisions, which makes a difference in your ability, I think, to reach underserved entrepreneurs, to reach smaller communities. It makes a difference when you look at other loan portfolios around the country where, yeah, most of the money's going to that thriving metropolitan community, but it's not reaching those underserved and distressed communities in the same way. If there was any, uh, I can't think of the right word, but mantra or slogan or anything that Network Kansas might hang its hat on, it's the fact that we push decision-making to the lowest level. And by lowest, I don't mean negative. I mean on the ground, in the community. And it completely amazes me how we could sit at our office and think that we might understand more about what a rural community in Northwest Kansas truly needs than the people on the ground in that community. And so if we can come alongside them, provide assets, give them decision-making control, but then partner on initiatives, I really think that's the win-win. Absolutely. And of course, your original legislation restricted you to for-profit businesses, but now with your partnership with, say, the Kansas Health Foundation that's providing some matching capital, you guys are now starting to do deals with nonprofits like medical clinics, long-term care facilities, and the like. So you're actually broadening out your ability to do deal flow through some creative funding partnerships. We're incredibly thankful for some of the funding partnerships, like you mentioned, the Kansas Health Foundation being one, Kauffman Foundation being another, that have allowed us to do exactly what you said, some for-profit businesses, whether they be health-focused or businesses focused on the community vibrancy and the ability to continue to thrive and develop a healthy community, perhaps so we have a particular loan fund that's built around healthy food initiative, food producers, rural grocers. I mean, my goodness, rural grocer, the amount of respect we have for them is just off the charts. They're such fantastic, hardworking people. And if we can create uh, gap financing, niche loan programs to better assist them that's where some of these other funding partners stepping in has really been a blessing. You bet. 
Well, let's march on to another question. And within the Network Kansas model and your e-communities program, there's two critical assets, entrepreneurial assets, and sometimes these are called pull strategies. Access to capital, which you've talked about a little bit, but also your board-certified program, which is really kind of a cost-sharing program that can work with the community to allow an entrepreneur, for example, to go to destination boot camp. And so talk a little bit about having capital and that cost-sharing program as tools allows you to uh, work more creatively and generate more deal flow in, in communities across Kansas. Yeah, when you tie those two things together, the capital access and then the board certified programs or technical assistance, along with our on-the-ground coaches that are working with the community. It just makes a holistic path forward that we really like. And access to capital is obviously the number one stated need for entrepreneurs. So we have discussed in the past time, you and I, we've discussed how our different programs are helping meet that need. At the same time, when our coaches are working with the communities and the community has chosen to focus uh, strategically plan an area around maybe it's assisting the startups and the mindset or existing businesses or whatever it might be, we want to provide them with the programming that we can host in that community. And so the list is fantastic from an Ice House Entrepreneurial Mindset Program. We partner with Wichita State University on a program called Growing Rural Businesses. It's really nuts and bolts for Main Street retail and service businesses. A fantastic eight-week course. We've partnered with a gentleman named Jim Carell at Independence Community College, who's probably a name that many <laughs> on this podcast will know. Yeah, He is probably uh, the leader in bringing a fab lab to the state of Kansas. And so he worked with us and put together a two-and-a-half-day boot camp makerspace boot camp that we probably have had 40 or 50 people from various communities in Kansas go to, to learn how to create a makerspace in their community. We intentionally allocate a good chunk of our budget for when our coaches are working in a community and a community wants to focus in an area, we don't want the cost of bringing that program to the community or their community going to the fab lab to be the onerous hurdle. So we try and do a cost share on that to make it a fit for them so that they can continue to pursue those programs. We really believe that capital access with wraparound programming and technical assistance is the right model as we go forward. Absolutely. And of course, at E2, we've really taken that learning to heart and we're strongly advocating building that into the work that we've got going on collectively with the Ford Family Foundation in Oregon, Growing the Rural Oregon Initiative uh, with our friends at the Nebraska Community Foundation, with E3, and of course, our work with the folks up in southern Minnesota with the REV Initiative. And so important lessons, because it just, when you put it all together, you've got a much more powerful set of tools to make a difference in communities with entrepreneurs. If there was any, it's hard to say there was a silver lining out of the last three years, Don, we all know that. <laughs> but one maybe little tiny one that we found in our circle is how all of these partners that offer these programs, and it extends outside of Kansas, a gentleman named John Shallert in Longmont, Colorado, has a fantastic program called Destination Boot Camp. And there's others I could name, how they pivoted, offer their programs virtually. 
it was a little bit painful at first for us to, because to, obviously if you can provide a program and meet with the business owner in person, it's probably better. But we didn't have a choice for a couple of years. So all of these great partners pivoted and we learned how to virtually be really effective offering these programs. Well, the two things that come out of that that are fantastic is now you could offer a program almost in a regional approach instead of having to just do it in the current city. But the second thing, just what you said, I mean, I played a very small role in the work you all have done in Oregon and Nebraska and other states, but our ability to even offer some of these Kansas programs to the communities in Oregon is now possible. And it probably wouldn't have been pre-COVID because we just wouldn't have been forced to pivot. No, I'm absolutely convinced that there is a silver lining and it is really accelerated and forced us to get really good at working virtually. Not a substitute for across the table and having a bite to eat together, but boy, we can cover a lot more ground and involve a lot more people this way. One more side trip before we go to our final questions, but our friend Jeff Yost with the Nebraska Community Foundation makes the point that success attracts capital and funding. And your success has had some of that play as well. You're working with a private foundation that's brought additional non-state funding to support your Eat Communities program. Share with our listeners a little bit about that because folks are always worried, how do we find the money, the resources to scale up? But again, I think part of that lesson is success can attract other funders to the table. It absolutely can. I think the mission will attract people, but I also believe that it has to do with boots on the ground community work. We wholeheartedly believe that if we've had any success at all, it it is just largely driven by the fact that these communities on the ground are doing fantastic work with their local entrepreneurs. And we're just a small company. We're 19, 20 people. But when you look at 69 e-communities across Kansas, and each of them have a leadership team that meets regularly to talk about their entrepreneurial ecosystem. And those people are 10 to 14 or 15 people. I mean, you could easily do the math and think there's almost a thousand people that are coming together regularly in rural and urban distressed communities across Kansas with one of our staff present to talk about how to do things to positively affect their ecosystem. That alone makes noise. And nobody has to stand up and pound their chest and say, look at us. It just organically makes noise and other funders want to come to the table to assist those communities. And I think our job in that role is to simply deploy it down to the communities and let them make the decisions with the assets. Absolutely. So let me challenge you. And this is a question that I often ask, but... You have been a leader in Rural Rise. Uh, Rural Rise had their in-person conference this year, post-COVID in Emporia. So uh, Kansas and Network Kansas were kind of co-hosts with that. I want to challenge you to share with our audience if you could just identify three keys to success with a community-centered entrepreneurship initiative, what three secrets would you share with our audience? First, I think I truly, I think I believe this probably more than anything. My particular secret, hire people that are smarter and more talented than you and that wake up every day 
with a self-starter driven attitude to passionately help the communities they work with and then empower them and do what you can to support them. That really is the overarching thing behind this, Don. And, and you're you're lucky enough to know that the people in this e-community team, the Sierra Miller, Sarah LaRoche, Christy Preston, Jen Laird, Janet Miller, Leanne Seiler, Amara Kniep, Bailey Henry. I mean, those eight are amazingly talented people. The control freak in me struggles with handing off and empowering, but I just continually am amazed with how great things they do if I just empower them and let them run. And Kansas is better for it. That's one. Secondly, I think that our organization has done a nice job of not losing the ability or the vision to pivot and to innovate, to follow momentum that is coming to see signs. I think we do a nice job of our internal culture matching our external actions when it comes to pivoting and innovating. And then thirdly, it's something that we talked about a time or two through this, Don, but uh, it really is, I think, the key to so much of what we do at Network Kansas, and that is recognizing and empowering local communities to make decisions with our assets is proving to be a much better path for us to go down. And I won't bore you with a lot of numbers, but I will say this to show credence to what I just said. The e-community, 69 of them, the money that we allocate them, and I talked about that a little bit ago, over, uh, what my goodness, 14, 15 years of e-community work, they have collectively approved a little under 900 loans, I believe, about $28 million. Half of the businesses are startups. Half of them are in towns under 5,000 people. One out of four are retail. One out of five are restaurant. And our money is always subordinate. We're behind a bank loan. Sometimes we're third in line. And it's the one program we have no decision-making control over. The communities decide it. And it, far and away, is the best-performing loan portfolio our organization has. And I truly don't think it says much about us. I think it says how seriously the local communities take their stewardship of the money and how smart they are at making decisions. That's the three keys I would say, Don. Well, thank you. Hey, you know, our time is up. We oh. need to transition. I told you it would go fast, but Eric, thank you so much for the work you do and thank you for being my guest today. Don, that was an absolute ball. Thank you for inviting me and I look forward to maybe someday trying that again. Thank you. You bet. Well, folks, as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you that your go-to resource is energizingentrepreneurs.org. That's the website. There's a whole set of free resources. You can join our E2 National Practitioners Network and access our E2 University resources, sign up for our monthly newsletter, and get access to all of the podcasts that we've now produced over almost two years. Specific to this particular podcast, we're going to be sharing some resources about Network Kansas's e-community program, And also, we've got a couple of legacy pieces that we're going to share with you, a case study that my colleagues Deb Markley and Ahmet Benner did back in 2014. One of these days, Eric, we've got to update that case study. And then we've got a short story that we're going to share with you. But of course, if you've got more questions about Network Kansas, uh, we'll share their website and be happy to talk to you. So Eric, on behalf of our audience, thanks for being with us today. Don, thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
And to all of you who participate in our podcasts, the best to you and your efforts to grow a stronger rural America, one community at a time. Thanks and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. <music>